Cage the Ghost, Chapter 5, The Leader, Part 2. This is time always heals, but time doesn't heal without you. I know how it feels, but nothing feels real without you. Reaper floats in black, numb. There is no pain. Will he ever get used to that? Hey, wake up. I'm bored. The voice is startlingly close, and he snaps open his eyes in surprise. Gabriel's old face takes up the entirety of his vision, looking just as he had before he died. The scars that streak his skin are ancient by this point, and he has a couple of gray hairs in his beard. Not enough to call it salt and pepper, but that was where it was headed. The face frowns. Who are you calling ancient? Reaper blinks and flinches backwards, away from the ghost. Yo, chill. I'm not going to do anything. That is not reassuring at all. He stares out at the dark void that surrounds them both, desperately trying to understand what is happening and why he is here. Then, the memories of the last fall into time hit him all at once, like the bullets he took to his own guts. Shit. Is this it? Is he dead? Nope, says Gabriel. He floats up and crosses his arms with a smug grin, looking for all the world as though he is glad Reaper isn't dead. All around them is black, not unlike that wide abyss that gobbles them up every time they fall through Gabriel's life, but somehow Reaper got the impression that this black space was much more like limbo, a kind of suspension, and they were trapped there. Bingo, says Gabriel, pointing at him and finger-gunning. He seems to realize what he's doing after a moment and stops, muttering something about a dumb cowboy and his habits. I'm unconscious. One of those induced comas while they regrow part of my stomach and liver. Right, Reaper says slowly. And why did you wake me up? He could have just drifted in sweet, painless silence for a while. Because I'm bored, Gabriel repeats. And, since time probably isn't going to be so kind as to dump us somewhere else just yet, we're gonna be here a while. I thought we could have us a little slumber party. 
Abruptly, there's an up and a down, and Reaper is unceremoniously dumped on his ass, while Gabriel floats down to land gently beside him. Like an angel, the stray thought flits across his mind, and above him, Gabriel smiles. I try, he says, striking a pose. Fuck you, Reaper thinks as hard as he can. But Gabriel just laughs at that, too, and offers a hand out to him. Reaper frowns at the unwavering hand, hesitating for a bare moment before reaching out and taking it, letting Gabriel pull him up. Then he realizes what Gabriel had said. Did he hear it right? Slumber party? Hell yeah, you heard right. It's slumber party time. Gabriel clicks his fingers, and he's back in his bathrobe and pink slippers. I... Uh, what? Reaper stares at him. Well, since neither of us went through the teenage girl part of my life I wish I had, I figured that we could do it now. It is literally a slumber party. He conjures up a bowl of popcorn and a movie with the title... Ten things I hate about you. Despite himself, Reaper rolls his eyes. I've already seen that one. Sombra had made him watch it during a particularly bad nanite storm. She had told him it would take his mind off things. I know, says Gabriel. He tips backwards on his heels, but just as he falls, there's abruptly a couch beneath him, and he sprawls onto its beaten-up cushions. It's also one of my favorites. I think I remember the whole thing. He pats the cushion next to him in invitation. Reaper drags a hand down his face, frowning when he is met by the hard carbon of his mask. He looks at his hands. They definitely weren't Gabriel's hands. They looked more like floating ash within a glass container. Reaper is reminded of a snow globe he had once seen, abandoned on the mantelpiece of one of Talon's safe houses. In a moment of curiosity, he had picked it up, disturbing the snow within. He watches the eddies of his own black snow now, swirling round and round, just like the nanites but more... contained. Gabriel nods at him encouragingly, and Reaper reluctantly sits on the other side of the black couch in this black place. He chews on the inside of his cheek and draws his knees up to his stomach. He feels hollow, insubstantial, adrift. He feels himself being dragged out as if caught in a riptide towards a wave on the horizon. You felt everything. Reaper whispers. You've always felt it, he thinks. He can almost see the wave above him as he realizes these silent truths. Always been there. You sat in the back of my head for five years and felt every instance of pain with me. Gabriel takes a breath, holds it, and then lets it out slowly. Yes. The word is simple. Its meaning is not. Reaper's not hands shake 
black flakes trembling within. He clenches them in an attempt to steady himself. Above him, the wave crests, and he looks up at it in quiet horror. Because he remembers the songs, the music that had always been there for him. When the pain was overwhelming, or the nanites swarmed, or he had to kill and murder and destroy, and the music was always there for him. You sang to me, Reaper says dully. That's why he knew that song. The one Gabriel had played for Jack had sang to him long ago. Gabriel doesn't move closer, doesn't close that gap between them. Instead, he fixes Reaper with his gaze, the quiet intensity, a purposefulness that Reaper is slowly realizing inhabits every single one of Gabriel's movements. Gabriel doesn't say anything, but Reaper knows. He knows. The wave peaks, crashes. Reaper drowns in it. The ocean drags him down, away from everything he thought he knew about himself. He is a hollow shell. He had nothing left. No, that's not true. Because there, in the bottom of his empty self, is a feeling. Guilt. Shame. Reaper shatters. A ghost sang to him for years, kept him sane when he felt himself falling apart. The nanites would hum with music he had never heard before, couldn't possibly have heard, but knew the words to anyway. He had silenced it all, taken strength when it was freely given, and caged a ghost until he needed it again. But the ghost had never stopped singing. Like he actually cared. Reaper feels a hand on his shoulder. He looks up to see Gabriel, dark eyes close. The hand steadies him, lets him know something as he desperately tries to tread water, even as he drowns in it. Where was his resolve? Why? Reaper asks, croaks out from a throat that feels as shredded and torn as his insides. Because I could feel it. The pain. Mmm, yeah, that sucked. Why didn't you... take control? Reaper says slowly. Gabriel looks away, chews on his bottom lip, as if he is deciding whether or not to answer. Eventually, he shrugs and fixes Reaper with honest eyes. Because I couldn't. Reaper tries to swallow the lump in his throat. Even without a body, in Gabriel's unconscious mind, trapped in time, he feels. And that almost hurts more than the nanites. I died, continues Gabriel. I thought I was gone in hell for what I had done. There was nothing left but pain and screaming, and a million billion pieces of myself trying to eat each other. So you just let me take it? No! 
Gabriel's answer is like a whip crack. The force of it makes Reaper flinch. You took it, regardless of what I did. You did not ask. You stole it. You used me. He had heard the singing, had known, should have known, but he had never questioned it, never questioned himself. I'm... Reaper's voice quakes as a shame washes over him again. He had known. Of course he had. Five long years he had known that the ghost was still alive and he had silenced him. I'm sorry, Reaper whispers. How can he be sorry for something that immense? I'm sorry for hearing, but never listening. I'm sorry for taking everything. But will you give it back? Reaper snaps his head up to look at the ghost. Every instinct he has screams, No, of course not. Gabriel had died. The body was his now. Gabriel narrows his eyes. I... Reaper feels wrung out, and he pulls himself back from Gabriel, away from the dead man, cowering in his shame at the opposite end of the couch. What do you want from me? That pulls Gabriel up short. The old soldier chews on his lip for a moment, considering Reaper. Judging him is what it felt like. Gabriel opened his mouth but changes his mind and sighs out that breath. <sighs> I suppose at this point in time, I want you to watch this dumbass movie with me, Gabriel says quietly. He offers the bowl. Popcorn? In front of them, a hollow screen pops up and the beginning credits for the movie starts to roll. I don't give a damn about my bad reputation flares from all around them. Reaper flinches at the sudden noise and eyes the bull suspiciously. He doesn't even know if he can eat anymore, doesn't want to face what is underneath the mask just yet. How do you do that? He nods towards Gabriel's imaginary popcorn. Gabriel shrugs and stuffs another handful of popcorn into his mouth. I have a very active imagination. Didn't have much else to do but imagine shit going differently for five years. He swallows the popcorn. Well, if you don't want food, why not, I don't know, some kind of animal or something. Start small. Reaper tilts his head to the side and considers for a moment. Then he imagines her. Right at the beginning, when he had been smoke and ash, trying and failing to teach himself to hold together as he drifted on the wind for a time, not particularly caring where he would end up. Eventually, he came to a rest as an inky puddle at the base of a tree in a run-down suburb. He had just hung there, like an angry storm cloud. Every so often, he would make himself some eyes. He could manage that well enough to see how much time had passed. The nanites had hummed with a quiet song, 
melancholic. He doesn't remember much of it. He hadn't been listening to himself back then, but eventually he had made his eyes for the seventh time, and there, above him, was an owl, pale white with eyes of inky black. She had tilted her head at this curiosity below her. Reaper thinks of her now, imagines her. The way she had questioned him, hadn't looked at him with revulsion or contempt or malice, just an innocent curiosity. And suddenly, he is holding her in his arms. Her claws dig into his tracksuit pants, but he doesn't feel pain, won't feel pain in this place. He's glad. He hesitantly puts a hand out and strokes her feathers, marveling a little when she leans into his touch and ruffles her feathers contentedly. Reaper looks over at Gabriel after he realizes the ghost hasn't said anything in a while. Gabriel appears to be concentrating on the movie, but the corners of his mouth twitch up occasionally. He shoves a handful of popcorn in his mouth, shoulders shaking, when the owl ruffles her feathers and jumps up to perch herself on Reaper's head. Reaper huffs out a breath and decides to ignore him and the owl, instead turning his attention to the movie. Gabriel has a freakish photographic memory, because Reaper couldn't think of any details he has missed. When Sombra had forced him and Widowmaker to watch it, she had ended up lying all over both of them while they had pretended not to notice or care. Now Gabriel was doing the same. He's abandoned the popcorn bowl and has his legs over one of the armrests while he leans against Reaper, pushing him right up against his own armrest. Why don't you make the couch bigger? Reaper eventually grits out. Gabriel just tilts his head back and looks up at Reaper with a wry smile. And where would the fun of that be? Getting all up in your personal space is one of my favorite pastimes. Reaper doesn't say anything, just feels the passing eddies of guilt threaten to pull him back down again. Gabriel's smile widens to a grin, and he makes himself more comfortable on Reaper's not-body. They watch the rest of the 90s teen movie together. Gabriel mutters occasional commentary about how much the two remakes suck and that the original is the best, but mostly he gets up in arms about the late 90s fashion. Eventually, the credits roll, all the names blurred. Yeah, as much as I believe giving artists credit is important, Gabriel mutters as he stretches out. One of his arms almost hits the owl on top of Reaper's head, and she puffs her feathers indignantly, but he pays her no mind. I'm pretty sure all these people are dead by now. How do you even remember the entire movie? Reaper mutters. Technically, he should be able to remember it, too. But in this place, he doesn't. Every part of him seems vague. That's probably how it's always been, he thinks bitterly. I remember plenty of things. Want to watch another movie? I got the first two Frozen movies memorized, and I know the soundtracks for the other five by heart. Frozen? 
Reaper doesn't think he's seen those ones. Yeah, come on. Let it go. Let it go. Gabriel sings a little, and Reaper goes rigid, a cold shiver running down his spine. That song, Reaper whispers. Oh no, not that song. You, you sang that for a week straight. He remembers it now. His nanites hadn't shut up, and he had eventually found himself humming along during a particularly distasteful Talon mission. Widowmaker had given him shit for it. Oh, did I? I can't possibly think of a reason I would have wanted to hum children's songs about setting yourself free while being forced to watch an AI pilot my dead body on terrorist missions. Gabriel's voice is like steel by the end, sharp. It cuts deep. Reaper doesn't know what to say. Apologizing doesn't seem like it will ever be enough. It won't. Gabriel pushes himself up and leans back over his side of the couch. He considers Reaper for a moment, tapping his finger against his jaw. A familiar rhythm. Well, he says eventually, what do you want to do then? Reaper shrugs and looks down at his hands. What did he want to do? Maybe... Maybe he should try listening? Oh! Gabriel leans forward. Can you stop that? He snarls, annoyed by how much Gabriel listens to him. No. The ghost's expression remains neutral in Reaper's sighs. It's his fault. All his fault. But he's being serious. Can we talk? He asks. Gabriel isn't wearing the bathrobe anymore. Instead, he's in a large blue hoodie, overwatch patches sewn into the arms. It doesn't look like something he would normally wear, and he either doesn't notice he's wearing it or doesn't care to comment. What do you want to talk about? Reaper curls his arms around his legs, holding himself in, shutting himself out. You, I suppose. And what about me do you want to know? Everything. Reaper shakes his head, trying to figure that one out. Even after living through half of Gabriel's life, he still doesn't know who he was. Is. Reaper opens his mouth and decides to ask about the start. Your... your mother. Gabriel's eyebrows shoot up and Reaper hears his sharp intake of breath. Sorry, I, I I won't ask if you don't want me to. Reaper had felt what it had done to him. He shivers at the memory. Gabriel waves it away. You already witnessed a bunch of my childhood. May as well just ask about the stuff you missed. How did she die? Reaper tries to say it quietly, gently. 
The grimace that pulls down Gabriel's face is painful to watch. Reaper even thinks he feels a touch of it, almost like a phantom limb, the shadow of the pit come to haunt him again. Hit and run. Gabriel says it just as quietly. Drunk driver. I used to dream of her lying there sometimes, in the middle of the street, in the dark, cold and abandoned. He sighs and covers his eyes with a hand. That was a long time ago. I never thought I would see her face again. I'm glad I did. Reaper remembers the child and the woman, her smile, that hand on his shoulder. He swallows and blinks rapidly, wondering at the hollow scratching in his throat. They are both quiet for a moment. Your sister? Reaper asks eventually. The little girl, and later, the woman who had squeezed his hand. Mia! Gabriel looks up and grins. Mia's alive. His smile slips a little. Well, I actually don't know what happened to her after Zurich. In the two years leading up to it, I hadn't seen her. Tried to keep her out of anything connected to Overwatch. Wiped most of myself and my connections from Blackwatch archives the second I knew there was a chance we were compromised. What about her, though? What was she like? Reaper is curious. She had said something about a ceremony during one of the flashes, and somehow she had recognized him. She was always the more perceptive of the two of us. If she had been a soldier, she would have been the greatest commander of Overwatch the world had ever seen. She had other dreams, though. Gabriel smiles at the memories. She went on to get that degree. Finished it just before the crisis hit. Worked in the refugee camps during the crisis. And after, became the engineer she always dreamed of. Helped rebuild most of Los Angeles. The ceremony. <laughs> uh, Gabriel laughs at that. And suddenly Reaper- Gabriel walks his sister down the aisle. The biggest grin in the world plastered on his face. It was nothing compared to hers, though. She looks radiant. And she laughs and kisses him on the cheek when they make it to the altar. You're next, she whispers in his ear. And she meets her fiancé, and her attention is wholly focused on them. Gabriel looks out at the crowd of faces in the little church. He can pick out the members of Overwatch immediately. They are all excessively eccentric. He finds the face he's looking for. A shock of blonde hair sticks out in the crowd, and the blue eyes are piercing, even from all the way up here. The ceremony is almost over. Mia turns around and gets ready to toss her bouquet of flowers. He can see Reinhardt lift Jack and push him bodily into the fray of people waiting behind Mia's back. She throws the bouquet, has a good arm as it sails into the back of the crowd. A heavily muscled arm snatches it out of the air before it can hit the women standing behind him in the face. 
Jack looks at the bouquet of flowers in his hand, his face steadily growing redder and redder while the wedding guests around him scream and laugh and pat him on the back. Then his eyes look up. They find Gabriel. And all he can think is, yes, you bet I'm going to marry you, asshole. Reaper snorts, really? And I did, Gabriel says smugly. It took me a while, though. We were together, but life was busy. Reaper does the math. That memory must have happened not long after this moment of time they were currently trapped in. He looks around at the black void. His... Gabriel's unconscious mind. Yeah, now I think on it, I can't believe how long it took either of us to make a move. I'd kissed him on that balcony, but we didn't really mention it because we both had this kind of embarrassed bromance going on. Didn't want to ruin what we had. Besides, we had work to do. His eyes go distant for a moment, but no more memories show up. Reaper feels a warmth drift across the void. Mia's wedding was the first time we danced, though. And I suppose from that moment, we were inseparable for a long, long time. Even though you were bitter, he was made strike commander instead of you. Gabriel rolls his eyes. Why does everyone think that? You've been watching too many fucking newsreels. Reaper shrugs. Must have hurt, though. You lead Overwatch until the end of the crisis. You saved the world. Okay, yes. I suppose there was bitterness there. But I was never going to settle for being a puppet. That's all the UN wanted. Adawe took me aside the evening before they forced me to stand down and told it to me straight. She said she had fought for me, but in the end had been voted out. It wasn't just the fact that they didn't think I would be a good little puppet. A puppet didn't save their asses during the crisis, and apparently they thought I wasn't about to let some suits tie strings to my arms just to get some fucking recognition. They were right, but there were other factors at play, too. Ones that never really go away, no matter how progressive you think the world is. His nostrils flare, and he grimaces. In the end, though, she told me that the Black Watch commander position was where I could do the most good, be the most help in rebuilding the world, so I decided to take it. He sighs. I didn't know they were going to make Jack commander, though. I mean, other than Amari, he was the next best option. They asked her, but she refused. She told me once that despite the good we were doing in the world, there would never truly be peace for us. Old soldiers never really stop being soldiers, and without a war. I don't think she wanted to be complicit in making her own. So they chose Jack. That hurt a little more than I would have liked it to. It was apologetic about it, which was good. 
but I didn't want his pity. Told him not to be sorry, just to be better. He did a good job. It was a thankless job. He pauses and snorts. <laughs> well, besides that fuck-ass huge statue they gave him. But the job also tore us apart. I don't know. It was so good for so many years. We did so much good. Made a better world together. But in the end... Gabriel is rambling now, lost in his memories. We're both to blame for what happened. He takes a deep breath. Anyway, that stuff's kind of depressing, and time is probably going to drag us through it. Anything else you want to know? Reaper swallows and asks the question he's been chewing over, but hasn't thought aloud the entire conversation. When did you realize you loved Jack? Gabriel's eyes nearly bug out of his face, and he slowly breaks into a grin. Then he throws back his head and laughs. Reaper can feel whatever approximation of his face is burning. He shouldn't feel that. He didn't have a face. Oh, honey, now you're getting into the slumber party spirit. But if you're going to ask me that, then I get to ask something, too. Like truth or dare. But we'll just do truths. Reaper grinds his teeth. Doesn't Gabriel know everything about him already? Only the things you know about yourself. The ghost says mysteriously. Reaper is quiet for a moment, but the curiosity doesn't go away. Fine, he eventually grates out. Ah, oh, when did I fall in love with him? Gabriel chews it over for a little bit. I don't really know. There's a million different moments you fall in love with someone. I don't think it happens all at once. I hated his guts at the start of SEP, but yeah, you know, he sure is, was, persistent. He became the best friend I ever had, but we couldn't start anything while the world fell apart around us. Would have been damaging for our careers. Gabriel can't sit still. He stands up and walks around to the back of the couch, picks up Reaper's imaginary owl from her perch, and scratches her head while he paces back and forth. Hang on, I have a better idea. Why don't I show you? Show me? Yeah, we should watch some of the good shit time decided to pass us by. Sure, the bacon sharing was fun, but you missed the SEP hot sauce competition. And I'm pretty sure since time has been a little bitch, that's probably going to skip a lot of the good stuff in the later years. Admittedly, there's less of it. We should still have some fun. Reaper shrugs, then a thought hits him and he looks sharply at Gabriel, opening his mouth. Oh my god, no. Gabriel snorts. Don't worry, I'll keep it PG for you. He pauses for a moment before he mutters something that sounds like, 
God forbid, time actually does dump us into one of those moments. Because, fair warning, there's a lot of them. Reaper hardly felt reassured. But at the same time, he is curious. He tries not to examine the growing feeling of excitement at the thought of seeing different memories of Jack, and possibly ones where he or Gabriel hadn't been so antisocial. Gabriel raises an eyebrow at him, and Reaper sighs. Fine. Let's watch the memories. The ghost grins, and the twenty soldiers gathered around the table in the cafeteria shout at each other catcalling and crowding together, trying to get the best view of the three contestants. Each one has a full bottle of the Reaper's Easy Squeezin' Hot Sauce in front of them. Banned in over 50 countries is plastered in curly red letters on the side of each bottle and accompanied by a cartoon man giving the thumbs up as if that fact is a charming endorsement. Jack sits in the middle chair, shoulders relaxed as he waits for the other two contestants to psych themselves up. Gabriel stands behind Jack's chair, looks down at his messy blonde hair. He slowly leans over to whisper in Jack's ear, "'You sure about this?' he asks with a grin. It widens when Jack shivers. He actually shivers at how close he is. He is caught off guard when Jack leans back in his chair so that his lips are at Gabriel's ear and whispers, Will you grieve over my flaming corpse if I don't make it? Gabriel's smile drops. Don't joke about that shit, he says a little too fast. Shit, play it cool, play it cool. He doesn't like the way Jack's neck distracts him when it's stretched out like that, or the way his eyes follow its curve down to Jack's chest or the way his breath hitches when Jack grins at him like he is now. Aw, Gabe, I always knew your hard-ass demeanor really is just hiding a big old softy who would cry if your best friend died of hot sauce poisoning. We're not best friends. His blustering is drowned out by Carmen, the chief organizer of this little suicidal competition and Martinez's partner, beating a cup against the table and yelling, All right, all right, shut the fuck up and let's get this show on the road. Betting is now closed. There's a flurry of frantic movements, and Gabriel sees a couple of soldiers exchanging last-minute coupon bits and cigarettes. Now the rules go like this. Did you bet on me? Jack asks under his breath. Gabriel leaves it perhaps a touch too long before he replies, Of course I did. Jack nods all the same and looks straight ahead. His muscles tense up as he goes into battle mode, massive shoulders rippling under the tight black SEP shirt and making Gabriel's train of thought derail into a fiery wreck. What was it again? Oh, right. The white boy didn't stand a chance. Martinez and Smith were going to wipe the floor with Jack, and Gabriel was going to have to suffer through the rest of SEP in humiliation. He didn't even know why Jack had risen to Martinez's challenge in the first place, or how she had managed to acquire three bottles of hot sauce, 
Why they were using it for a stupid competition when they could actually use it for its intended purpose and make the SEP dinners somewhat edible. We all clear on that? Carmen yells. Hoorah! yells the rest of them. Okay, three, two, one! All three contestants pick up their bottles and begin to upend the contents into their mouths. Several seconds pass in silence. Gabriel can't rip his eyes away from the bobbing of Jack's Adam's apple and the supine curve of his neck. Smith caves, drops the bottle of half-finished sauce on the table and clutches his throat as he lets out a strangled gurgle. His face goes purple and the soldiers behind him scurry out of the way as he scrapes his chair backwards and rushes out of the cafeteria, followed by the groans of all the idiots who had bet on him. Jack and Martinez keep going. The room is silent. A horrified silence. In awe of these two insane creatures. Martinez's eyes dart over to Jack, getting wider and wider as he coolly eyes her back and gives her a tiny shrug. Cocky bastard. And now she's struggling. Gabriel can see her trembling. Her face breaks out in a sweat. She gasps, slams her three-quarters empty bottle onto the table and coughs before letting out a tiny scream of frustration directed at Jack. Jack pays her no mind and finishes his bottle, even going so far as to tap it a couple of times to get the dregs out. Un-fucking-believable. Martinez and everyone else in the room thinks so too as she backs away from him, breathing hard and clutching her stomach. You're a fucking monster, Morrison. How? How? Jack just shrugs. Guess I can handle the heat better than you, he says slyly, while looking back at Gabriel out of the corner of his eye. Gabriel feels himself a blush, then tells himself to stop it because Jack is his friend, even if Gabriel is still in denial of that fact. His thoughts do nothing to temper the heat in his face or the creeping realization that he might actually like Jack Morrison. Gabriel rolls his eyes at Reaper. Honestly... It's almost embarrassing to look back on those early days and realize just how much denial I was in. But he liked you from the start? Reaper asks. Jack had clung to him like a virus during the parts of SEP he had lived through. Gabriel snorts. I don't know whether he liked me right from the start. But he's a particular breed of stubborn asshole that latches onto a person and doesn't let go until they make that person realize they're the one being a stubborn asshole. Gabriel sighs and shakes his head. Anyway, he won the hot sauce competition and gained a kind of horrified respect from everyone. He told me later that SEP managed to enhance literally everything except his taste buds, which are, to this day, almost non-existent. 
His excuse is that he ate nothing but corn for 18 years of his life. How does eating corn make you not taste anything? Reaper knows that being dead means you can't taste anything but ash and fire. He wonders if eating corn for 18 years is some kind of equivalent. I have no idea, but I'm not about to complain about the fact. Jack would eat anything, which was actually pretty useful during the rationing periods of the crisis. He would trade ration packs with everyone until he was left with the shittiest one. Gabriel smiles at the memory. He always was just a little bit unbelievable, never complained, and he always seemed to bring people together, no matter how much they wanted to hate each other. Gabriel shrugs. It was a good choice for Strike Commander during peacetime. Well, up until the point it killed the both of us, at least. Reaper doesn't really know what to say. What do you say to a man who was killed by his own husband? His complacency and my own stubbornness killed me, Gabriel said. Anyway, that's some depressing shit, and something we're more than likely going to have to live through. Let's lighten the mood and relive that time Jack and I danced at the UN's peace celebration at the end of the crisis and made out in the gardens. Before Reaper can open his mouth to reply, Wanna dance? Jack's face appears in front of his own. His eyes sparkle with a mischievous glint before he bows low and offers his hand with much pomp and theatrics. Gabriel takes a moment to appreciate the way Jack's suit jacket stretches over his broad back. His shoulders are tensed up, though, and his hand is steady, which just tells Gabriel that Jack is nervous. Behind him, the UN's peace celebration is in full swing, humans and omnics twirling together around the dance floor in the magnificent high-ceilinged ballroom. Jack looks up when Gabriel doesn't say anything. They're watching us, says Gabriel. It's not a refusal, just a statement of fact. Jack grins at him. So? War's over. Now's the time for dancing. Gabriel can't argue with that, nor can he argue with the way his heart quickens at the thought of holding Jack. So he tosses back the drink he is holding, places his glass on a passing waiter's tray, and lets Jack lead him out onto the dance floor. Jack's hand is warm, and he keeps darting tiny looks back at Gabriel, as if making sure he is still there following him. Each time their eyes meet, Gabriel can't help but be floored by Jack's smile, unburdened by an impending mission which might be their last. In a way, they were free from it now. So why does he feel so lost? Jack must see the conflict in his eyes, because when he finally pulls Gabriel close, he whispers, What is it? Gabriel shrugs, tries to bury the feeling, and just enjoy this simple moment they share together. Jack doesn't press him, and instead lets Gabriel melt further into his embrace. He puts his head into Jack's shoulder, and they sway like that for a few minutes. It was comforting 
to just be held for once, to not worry about dying the next day, to be himself and love who he wanted to. Gabriel blinks. He feels his entire mind shudder to a halt as he examines that errant thought. Well, he hadn't exactly prepared for that kind of revelation tonight. Jack sways to a stop, and Gabriel looks up at him. Are you okay? Jack asks quietly. The other dancers swirl like a lazy current around their tiny island of stillness. Gabriel finds himself breathing faster, feels like he might get swept up in the rising tide and dragged away from Jack if he isn't careful, if he doesn't cling on. Need some air, he manages to mutter as he tries to deal with the cascade of thoughts and feelings hitting him at once. And a drink, he tacks on after. Is he panicking? Jack frowns in concern and puts an arm around him, parts the guests like the sea as he makes a beeline towards one of the doors that leads out to the balcony. They pass out of the bright lights and into the gardens. Immaculate hedges border the path that couples wander down. The low din from the ballroom behind them fades as Jack pulls him forward, keeps him going. Every time they pass under a circle of lights cast by the lamps that border the path, Gabriel watches the way the light slides over Jack's body, and he's overcome by such a feeling of yearning that he can do nothing as the tide of his own want makes him drag Jack off the path. Jack almost yelps in surprise as Gabriel yanks him around and through the maze of bushes until he comes to an abrupt halt the second he judges that they are far enough from the path to be found by some unsuspecting guest or the media. Gabe, what's going on? Jack moves closer. The night air is warm, and a breeze sweeps in from over the city to wrap around them, pushing them closer. Gabriel gives in to the current, just lets it sweep him up and out and over to Jack. He pulls Jack in, hesitates just before their lips meet, and they breathe in time, in and out, just for a moment. And then Jack closes the distance. Jack's lips are rough, savage. He kisses Gabriel like he is running out of air, like he needs him, and Gabriel responds just the same. When they finally break apart, it is more out of necessity than want. They both gasp. Gabriel's heart beats a million miles an hour, and he holds Jack tightly, not wanting to let go. He feels like a teenager again, like he hadn't just fought through ten years of war to get here, to this moment where he is discovering what it is like to want a future that isn't just one where he might die tomorrow. That is full of something other than the fear of loss. Jack, he whispers. The name grounds him. Jack, 
he repeats as he presses his lips up to Jack's neck, punctuating each call of his personal mantra with a tiny kiss. Jack makes a soft noise, almost a moan, and moves closer to Gabriel, pressing up against him. His hands rove over Gabriel's body, moving down until- Ooh-wee! Wow, that was a little spicier than I thought I remembered. My bad. Gabriel doesn't look like he's sorry at all. If anything, Reaper thinks the shit-eating grin he wears is smugly proud. Anyway, the morning after that, I got demoted, and Jack was made strike commander. Eh, at least we had a good night. Gabriel puts both hands up in a you-win-some-you-lose-some gesture. Reaper barely hears the comment as he clutches his chest and tries to calm a heart that he must have imagined into being in response to the last five minutes. I thought you didn't know which moment you fell in love, he manages to garble out while he tries to swallow the elation of that kiss. That moment wasn't the one where I had fallen in love. I was already in deep at that point. It was more like I finally examined the possibility that I did love him and what that meant for me. Gabriel shrugs. I realized I hadn't considered what I wanted to do after the war. Who I wanted to be when I wasn't the one tasked with trying to save it. What do you do when your duty is done? Reaper frowns. All of what Gabriel is saying sounds awfully familiar, like they were connected by the questions they both had to examine, the only difference being Gabriel had figured his out long ago. Oh. Gabriel tips his head back and looks around at the darkness of his own unconscious mind. I don't think we ever really figure it out. We just find pieces of who we want to be during our journey to the answer. And who I wanted to be back then is a far cry from who I am now. Who we are. Before Reaper can reply, Gabriel turns from him and suddenly he's... The night is silent. Gabriel looks up and into the light of a billion stars as he wanders through the path in the cornfield, hand in hand with Jack. The stars almost smile down on them, shining on a broken world. It feels as though he is almost responsible for picking up the pieces and figuring out where they fit together. He can't remake the old world. No, that is gone forever. All he can do is delicately place each piece next to each other and hope that the glue will hold them together. Hope that Jack will hold everything together. Jack turns a corner, and they continue down a narrow path through the high corn. It's almost creepy how silent it is, how the plants seem to deaden any sound, so that it felt almost like they were trapped in a quiet wasteland. Suddenly, the corn ends. They exit out onto a small decline, down to the narrow bank of a stream, happily bubbling away under the stars. And all around them, the night glows. Fireflies. Hundreds of them, 
drift lazily through the dry Indiandan air. Gabriel stares at them as he walks forward, tugging Jack along and into their midst. When Gabriel looks back at Jack, his blue eyes sparkle with the pale light from the drifting fireflies. He cups a hand around the back of Gabriel's neck and pulls him in until their lips meet. Gabriel bombards him with memory after memory until Reaper can't take it anymore. I get it! You were happy! Reaper hisses, trying to make them slow down, give him some respite from the images and feelings that wholly envelop him and leave their ghostly imprint. Gabriel blinks and looks away from him. When he speaks, the words are quiet, melancholic. Yeah, I suppose I was. It was nice. Reaper is at a loss as to what to say. His vocabulary isn't equipped to deal with any of this. Gabriel doesn't acknowledge that comment, so Reaper asks instead, Why do so many of your memories revolve around food? Gabriel looks up at him with a tiny smile. Remember the eggs? He asks. But I get it. I think the reason might be that I, and most of my generation, just never really expected to not have the security of readily available food during and after the crisis. We used to have these eating competitions in the latter years after the food rationing ended. McCree won every single one of them. Gabriel smiles at the memory, then his mouth tugs down a little. He always ate so much. There would never be a scrap left in the early days. He sighs then. We were the ones saving the world during the crisis, and all we had to eat were shitty ration packs. Food was scarce. That kid grew up during the crisis. I'd hate to know how he managed to survive. You never asked him. Reaper is surprised. We were close, but there are some things you never ask. He used to never stop peppering me with questions about the crisis when he first joined. Never wanted to talk about what happened to him, though, so I didn't ask. Doesn't mean he didn't want you to. Reaper wishes more people had asked him questions. <sighs> you have to be prepared to listen. Gabriel saws out that last part and drags a hand down his face. I like to think I knew what I was doing and was being open when it mattered. But the truth is, I was blind and deaf, too. Sometimes I just didn't want to know. Had my own problems to deal with. Got worse and worse by the end. It's probably why he left. He left. Reaper raises his eyebrows. He hadn't been able to find much out about the fall of Blackwatch. Talon's archives were encrypted, and Sombra had never deigned to share what information she had gleaned about Overwatch's fall. Reaper had just assumed they had all gone their separate ways after Zurich blew up. 
Nah, McCree walked out a good year before everything fell apart. He tried to tell me once what was happening. I didn't listen, though. Gabriel sits at a desk, stacked high with paper. The room is dark, no windows. A single framed picture and a slowly dying succulent are the only signs of personalization on the desk. He rubs his hand over his eyes. It has been a long night, and it's not the first time he's regretting taking a command position in a super-secret black ops organization, because it meant he had to do stacks of fucking paperwork. On actual paper. Like an animal. It isn't all his own, though, and he sighs and pushes one stack aside and brings a different stack of folders forward. He opens the first and starts reading the personnel file, trying to see between the lines of the old mission report. He doesn't really know why he's reading recruit files, only that something has been bugging him about some of the newer recruits for a while. Not that he's been as close to any of that as he should have been. The door to his office opens and McCree is there. Twelve years, and he still doesn't knock. This a bad time? The cowboy asks. Gabriel leans back in his chair, and McCree invites himself into the room. He seems on edge, keeps looking around, keen eyes flickering to the corners of the room. McCree? He raises an eyebrow. The cowboy pats himself down and finds his cigarettes. He gets one an inch away from his mouth before he remembers that Gabriel doesn't tolerate smoking in his office. Something's wrong, McCree says slowly. Can't tell what. Only, only you need to be on the lookout. Gabriel feels a spike of anger, indignation. It has been a long day and night. You telling me how to do my job, McCree. The cowboy looks down at his cigarette, then up at Gabriel, meeting his eyes unflinchingly. I'm telling you that you ain't been doing your job. Gabriel abruptly stands. Get out! He growls. The cowboy gives a lazy salute before walking. Gabriel massages his temples. I was an idiot. Should have seen it a lot sooner. I looked harder after that, but not hard enough. Gabriel swallows as if he has a bad taste in his mouth. Jack and I hadn't been together in months, and I threw myself into work. The world was falling apart again. Old patches we'd soon on during and after the crisis were beginning to wear away. He shakes his head. What happened with you and Jack? Reaper asks. The soldier had recognized him, or rather, he had recognized Gabriel's body but he hadn't put up much of a fight the few times they had clashed. Reaper had never been able to finish the job, though. Somehow something always went wrong. The time before the warehouse, his nanites had chosen that moment to frenzy and storm. 
he hadn't been able to contain it, so he had had to sink back into smoke and let the soldier live another day. Actually, Reaper looks suspiciously at Gabriel, but not too suspiciously. He doesn't exactly want to admit that he feels relief that the soldier is alive, was alive. He remembers the spreading pool of black ink in the warehouse. What happened to us? Gabriel mulls that one over. We fell apart. It was kind of like watching one of those slow-motion car crash videos. Just hurtling towards a final moment you know is coming, but the impact is still fast and brutal and somehow unexpected. It took years of being apart, of our respective jobs killing us with their commitments, while at the same time we were being poisoned from within. In the end... In the end, I still went back to him, tried to tell him what he'd missed, what we'd both been so blind to. Gabriel grimaces at his own memory. For a tactician expert, I probably could have been more tactful. Kind of made me realize how much I missed him, though. I should have been there for him while it all fell apart. Gabriel drags both his hands down his face and sighs heavily into them. It seems like such a vulnerable thing to do, that Reaper wonders if he shouldn't offer something. He isn't sure what, though. A hug might be nice, Gabriel mumbles. Been years since someone hugged me. And you, I suppose. Reaper takes a hesitant step towards his ghost, not quite believing what he was about to do. But he can't deny that he's also wondered what it would feel like. So he reaches out and takes the ghost of a dead man into his arms, his strange not-arms, and he wraps them around Gabriel. He feels Gabriel's shoulders shudder just once, and he breathes out slowly. Then Reaper feels the arms around his back, and the mother puts a hand on his shoulder. A sister squeezes his hand. A boy with blonde hair who smiles like the sun and kisses like a savage moon leans towards him and takes him into his arms. And Reaper knows what this means, but he he can't, he can't, never stopped, did you? Reaper mumbles into Gabriel's shoulder. He marvels at it. The idea that a feeling could endure so much pain and hurt. Never stopped what? Gabriel's voice is distant, like it's fading, like it's underwater. Is Reaper underwater? He can't tell. He blinks rapidly, and suddenly the blackness is gone, and colors bleed into his mind. He feels like he's swimming towards the surface of something. Shadows play upon the restless surface. Then he bursts up into the world, light extremely bright, and he flinches back from it. The pain hits him as he doubles over, his stomach on fire. 
they can't shake that thought, that feeling. It endures. It's hysterical that everything could end so horrifically that they, Gabriel and Jack and Reaper, were hurtling towards a fate that neither of them wanted, but that they weren't strong enough to change. And through it all, the world focuses. He blinks, and there is a face in front of him. Freckles pepper the man's nose, and his blue eyes have dark circles beneath them. His strong jaw is dusted with five o'clock shadow, blonde hair a mess. And through it all, he never stopped. Reaper laughs, a deep wheeze that grates into pained sobs when his stomach feels like it's being torn apart by a hungry dog. He clutches at the man in front of him, fingers finding purchase in his rumpled shirt, pulling Jack towards him. He never stopped. <laughs> Reaper laughs out the words in a whisper. Oh, God, everything hurts so much. What? Jack's eyes are wide as he seems to be struggling to figure out where to put his hands so he doesn't hurt him. Jack eventually closes them around Reaper's shoulders, steadying him. <laughs> he never stopped. Reaper wheezes like it's the funniest thing in the world. Here he was, thinking he had been doing Reyes a favor by taking out his soldier. He couldn't have been more wrong. Who never stopped? What are you talking about? Jack looks alarmed now. He reaches out and hits the call button on the side of the hospital bed. Him. Gabriel. Reaper finally remembers his ghost's name and says it reverently. Gabriel, he never stopped loving you, right to the end and then beyond. Reaper lets go of Jack and slumps back. The last of the giggles fade as he takes in Jack's stunned expression. Ah, Reaper clutches his stomach as the colors begin to bleed. Have a good life, Jack are the last words he manages. And then he's falling again. The pain disappears, and he drops into that white space. The last thing to fade is a pair of blue eyes. End of chapter 5